electricity, a big idea that's inspired countless new ones. From powering the light bulb to virtually powering our entire lives. 30 years ago, State Street launched the Spider S&P 500 ETF, SPY. A big idea that inspired the world to invest differently. And still does. What can you do with SPY? Before investing, consider the funds, investment objectives, risks, charges, and expenses. Visit SSGA.com for a prospectus containing this and other information. Read it carefully before investing. SPY is subject to risks similar to those of stocks. All ETFs are subject to risk, including possible loss of principal. Alps Distributors, Inc. Distributor. Bring in show music, please. This is Squawk Pod. I'm CNBC producer Katie Kramer. Today on our podcast, a boost for boosters. Pfizer's latest push with Dr. Kavita Patel. 10,000 patients, average age of 53 years, demonstrated that a third shot on an average of six months after the second dose raises that efficacy to about 95%. And Toast, the platform that powered many restaurants through the pandemic, is now a public company. CEO Chris Comparato on his first quarter in the industry's recovery. Restaurants are turning a corner, and while the last 20 months have been difficult, We're super excited that this validates we're on the right path. Those stories plus a huge electric vehicle IPO, empty offices in NYC, and kinks in the supply chain, hitting a little too close to our holiday spirit. The little marshmallows were sold out when I looked yesterday, actually. They were? Yeah. It's Wednesday, November 10th, 2021. Squawk Pod begins right now. Stand back you by in three, two, one, cue please. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Squawk Box here on CNBC. I'm Becky Quick, along with Joe Kernan. Andrew is hosting day two of the DealBook conference today. He's got another huge guest lineup. He's going to be speaking with Darren Woods, Mary Barra, Ken Griffin, and Anthony Blinken. In corporate news this morning, electric vehicle maker Rivian, Rivian, pricing its initial public offering at $78 a share. Last night, that's well above its expected. 72 to 74 Dollar range. It values the company at $66.5 billion. $66.5 billion. Rivian's backed by Ford and Amazon. That might have something to do with the valuation. The company just began production on its electric pickup and plans to deliver 10,000 as soon as next year. And then we'll talk about this at the end, the Tesla story, because I just couldn't help but laugh at one line. I'll tell you at the end. I love it, though. Well, let's let's cue the viewers in, let them catch up with us. But in, in other EV news, too, shares of Tesla dropping 12 percent yesterday. That's its worst one day decline of the year. That came after the stock fell nearly 5 percent the day before. Tesla shares are up more than 47 percent year to date and have doubled from one year ago. Over the weekend, Elon Musk tweeted a question to his followers asking if he should sell 10 percent of his shares of his company. This week's 16% decline means that Musk has lost about $50 billion just in two days. What got me was they said that, you know, so he's got the tax bill coming up, and he points out a lot that he's, he's cash poor. He doesn't, uh, he doesn't really take a salary. And so, he, and so they said that the $17 billion proceeds would go part of the way of easing his cash crunch, his, his current, uh, you know, his liquidity <laughs> problems and it would at least get him, you know, like through the rest of this year, you know, and then in 2022, he can work, you know, so the 17 billion, you know, pay a few bills, do whatever yeah. he needs to do. Um, but I just went and, and I, that's the old expression. You know, I'm not complaining. We're so lucky and we're so we're, we're, we're doing great and we're, we're very fortunate uh, compared to everybody. But the rich, the rich, you know who I'm talking about? The rich yeah. really are. You know, what is They're it about different. them? Different. They really are different because yeah. they have a lot of money. They have the kind of money where 
he can ease his his cash crunch at least for a little while with 17 billion. How long? I mean, I could take a fraction of that and my cash crunch will be gone until I'm gone. Yeah, Yeah. until (laughs) I'm long gone and my ancestors are long gone. My children's children's children. Speaking of the Moody Blues. You know, Um, know, the idea that he's lost 50 billion dollars, though, in two days of trading points out some of the difficulties with the idea of assessing... worth 300 billion. Well, the idea of assessing a tax on unrealized gains, right? Right. What if you had paid taxes? What if this was all happening over two days just after December 31st? You paid yeah. taxes on this, you lost $50 billion, and, you know, what happens from that? It's because these prices go... And by the way, his prices, the price has gone up so dramatically, too. So, you know, it's hard to say why it's going down or why it went up to begin with. His brother sold some stock at the same time he was asking about selling stock. But again, uh, the problems with trying to assess taxes on unrealized gains are kind of visualized on what you've seen two days here. Did you... In, in addition to that bizarro... Uh, Elon Musk tweet about Senator Wyden. I mean, he's got a late at night. Don't don't. uh, He he does TWI. He does tweeting while intoxicated. Elon. And and he can get he's worth 300 billion. I mean, what are you going to do? Sue him? What 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 can happen? So he can say what he wants. But included in that story about Senator Wyden, did you see what Adam Wyden? Yes, his son. Yeah. His son disagrees with him. His son runs a hedge fund. I know. So awesome. He says. My, my father and his cronies don't like people that are successful and they, they hate the American success story. It's like, man, uh, what, do you th- what do you think that phone call was I, like? What do you think hey, Thanksgiving is going to be like? A little awkward. <laughs> that, that was my thought. Hey, Dad. Is, wow, Thanksgiving is three weeks though. away. It's a good question. Why does he? In Washington news, President Biden spoke with the CEOs of several major U.S. companies yesterday talking about potential steps to alleviate ongoing supply chain issues. The White House says that the president talked to the heads of Walmart, Target, UPS and FedEx. The administration says that the president focused on speeding up deliveries and lowering prices for consumers. In a Twitter video following the conversation, the president said that the CEOs told him they were confident customers will be able to get the items that they want in the coming weeks. And uh, the bottom line is all the folks I spoke with, not just the East Coast, but the West Coast, they just all are confident that things are going to be much different Thanksgiving and a much different Christmas this year. And so the expectation is it's not going to be like this time last year. You're going to be able to get to the store, get to your place, get to the outlets you're looking for, get the products you need, the gifts you want. That's what we've been working on. But Joe, this was another one that I read with a little bit of a skeptical take on this. Okay. The president says you will get everything delivered there in time. You will lower prices for consumers and then it's just going to happen. Do you, have you done anything for, for Thanksgiving yet? What do you have mean you in terms to, of buying? buying yeah, supposedly or you're not going to, I don't know. Prices like, are for a, everything. I mean, I, and there's a shortage of everything. It's yeah. going to be hard to get. I don't know about like sweet potatoes with the, like the little marshmallows on top. And uh, I don't know what is actually, I like the dressing, little marshmallows obviously. were sold out when I looked yesterday, actually. They were? Yeah. Well, that's, you know, that's when it starts hitting home. Right? I was um, quickly looking at, I, I can't get my, my uh, I can't get off of this, this Adam Wyden thing because I, I forgot something else he said, which was something like, he was talking about his father and all of his friends in, in Washington, that not one of those people has ever created a job or actually ever really done anything. Or con- some of them have, but many of them that are career politicians. And I just can't believe you would say that. Uh, I can't believe you'd say that 
about you. I, I just don't, like you said. I There's probably some other stuff that's brewing there, too. I mean, he has particularly given what Elon had replied back to his dad. That was, you know, pretty unseemly. <laughs> well, it turns out more people are headed back to the office, but enough to fill up all the empty space in the Big Apple? That's the question. Robert Frank has exclusive new numbers for us. What can you tell us, Robert? Good morning, Becky. Only about half of New York City's office workers will be back in the office as of the end of January, and the numbers aren't likely to get much higher over time. A survey from the Partnership for New York City of 188 of the largest employers found that 49 percent of employees will be back in the office on an average weekday by the end of January. Nearly half will be in two days a week or less. And one in five is going to be fully remote even after that. Now, with fewer workers coming in the office each day, New York companies are planning to cut back on space. More than a third say they plan to reduce their office space in the next five years. 22% of financial firms say they plan to permanently reduce their workforce in New York over the next five years. That is the highest share of any industry. Now, the value of commercial real estate in New York City has fallen by $29 billion since the pandemic. That has already cost about $2 billion in lost property taxes. And Becky, property taxes, as we have to remind people, are the largest source of revenue for New York City. Usually property taxes um, don't go down very rapidly. What, what you see is that nobody ever reassesses on the downside, at least not with any hurry. Not that they assess very quickly on the upside either. Um, but if they've already fallen by $2 billion, that's got to be a result of something other than reassessment, right? That's just empty office space. Right. And it's, it's not going to get much better soon because remember, a lot of leases in New York City are long-term 10-year leases. So People weren't able to get out of their lease during the pandemic. But as those leases come up for renewal over the coming years, they're going to break those leases. That's also why we're seeing a lot of sublease space on the market. But this is this is a, a bad sign for New York City, especially on the commercial side. We've seen a comeback on the residential side, but the commercial side not looking good. Hey, hey Robert, this is very different than every commercial real estate investor that we speak with. Anybody who's got properties, whether that be everybody from WeWork to the big holders of commercial real estate property, every time they come on, they say, oh, things are great. Everything's back. Things are back with full force. How do you match up what they're saying with what you're hearing in terms of the tax revenue and the survey? Look at the numbers. Right now, only 28 percent of workers are back in the office in New York City. That is among the lowest, if not the lowest, in the country. You combine that with the fact that we have the highest tax rate in the country, combined New York City and state at 14.8 percent. We have the, the longest commute in the country. And the fact that even though property prices came down a little bit, rents and property prices in New York City are still astronomically high. So as the partnership says, that lock that New York City had on companies is broken. And that's going to be tough to deal with. So those are the numbers we should believe, not what commercial real estate holders are telling us when they come on. Yeah. I mean, I have to look at what we're seeing now and what we're seeing the actual companies tell us, which is that a third are going to reduce their state, their space permanently. And the important thing is the financial services industry is the core, is the heartbeat of the New York City economy. And when 22 percent are going to permanently reduce their workforce, that's just not a good sign. Robert, thank you. It's great to see you. And guys, I'll throw out, uh, Joe, really quickly that Brian Sullivan was just toplining me. He's, you know, in, in the U.K. today. And he said that things are 100 percent, basically. Most of the offices there are full. The subways are full. He's been tested four times in the last five days, and they're embracing testing as a way to get people back. 
said everything's back to normal in, in London. And I did message back to him. I'm going to get in trouble. I get in trouble a lot. I go, yeah, is the food still crappy? Uh, but I, I don't, you know what? I, I, bangers and mash and, uh, you know, shepherd chips. You got to go to Paris. You chips. want food, right? Or Rome. You know, no one goes to London for the food. Now I'm going to hear about it. I love the food in London. I'm kidding. I like those pubs. I like fish and, and chips. squawk. Tweet away. <laughs> Cheese will be next. Coming up on Squawk Pod, it's that time of year. Turkey, presents, and oh yeah, your COVID vaccine booster. Dr. Kavita Patel on Pfizer's new pitch to the FDA. Here we are, November holiday season. Most people have been six months out from their second dose. And so now I think it's time to resurface the conversation. We'll be right back. What's on the horizon for financial markets? At PGIM, it's a question that over 1,400 investment professionals relentlessly research in pursuit of your long-term goals. Specialized across asset classes, but united in collaboration, our teams provide global and local expertise. Our investments shape tomorrow, today. Pursue your tomorrow with PGIM, a leading global asset manager. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. We're back. This is Squawk Pod. Pfizer taking another step in the fight against COVID. The company is asking the FDA to authorize booster vaccine doses for all Americans over 18 years old. Here's the company's CEO, Albert Borla, at the New York Times Dealbook Conference. I think that um, this is not right. I think that uh, approval or not of a booster needs to be based on three things. Is it safe? Is it effective? Do we need it? If those three conditions are met, they should approve the boosters. If any of these conditions is not met, they should not approve the boosters. Let's get to Becky Quick. Joining us right now with more on this is Dr. Kavita Patel. She's a fellow at the Brookings Institution and former White House Health Policy Director. She's also both an NBC and an MSNBC medical contributor. And, and Dr. Patel, this is really interesting because this was the one area where there was a bit of a dust-up between the scientists who were advising both the FDA and the CDC as to whether or not all Americans should get this shot. At the time, they said no because there wasn't enough data. What's new now? Yeah, what's new, Becky, is 10,000 randomized controlled trial patients that Pfizer initiated to really deliver on additional data as requested by the FDA and the advisory committees, and also pressure, I think, from the international public to demonstrate that boosters are necessary six months after a second dose, and they come through, the the data did, 10,000 patients, average age of 53 years, demonstrated that a third shot on an average of six months after the second dose raises that efficacy, Becky, to about 95%. So pretty much what you would experience 
after full immunity from that first and second dose, which is incredible. This on top of the evidence that breakthrough infections can lead, especially in certain adults, not just high risk adults, but even people under the age of 50, that these can lead to hospitalizations. And that's a significant marker that I think should put to rest this debate. I think everyone does need a booster after six months from their second dose, at least. You know, there there were questions about this before, but the the real world studies that we've seen play out in places like Israel, where they moved ahead very quickly with third and even fourth booster shots. Um, what what was different about what we were seeing in Israel with some of that data? Was it not as convincing as what the study shows? Yeah, it's a great point. I think a couple of points that came up, because the Israeli data, by the way, Becky, still keeps coming, shows further and further evidence that uh, people who do not get boosters are at the highest risk, likely because of their waning immunity, especially in older patients. But I think what happened uh, several months ago when the FDA advisory committee met is that they felt like it was just too soon based on Israeli data, because the Israeli data was not compelling to demonstrate that the boosters were necessary to prevent hospital and death. The boosters certainly played a role in Israel in preventing what they called symptomatic or asymptomatic infection, mild or moderate, but not what people felt like was a threshold to merit recommending boosters for all. And I think combined with that, Becky, was this uh, kind of parallel narrative around myocarditis or inflammation of the heart. And I think people felt like it was enough to say boosters are okay in high-risk people, but not okay for everyone in the general public. But here we are, November holiday season. Most people have been six months out from their second dose, most Americans. And so now I think it's time to resurface the conversation. I think Moderna recipients are going to be sitting for a little bit, uh, but hopefully the FDA will expand this to include Moderna recipients in in this inclusion as well. You know, part of the questions that were raised last time around when the FDA was considering this Uh, was just the idea that should Americans be getting a third shot when so many people in developing nations haven't gotten an opportunity to get their first? There was the ethics question that came into that. Is that still at play? And and will that create a problem? It is. I think it's still at play. I think there have been several reiterations by Pfizer, the manufacturer, as well as the Biden administration, that they have sufficient supply to to offer every adult their first shots every adult their booster shot, and now with children's shots, children's shots for all that are eligible. So I think the issue of supply is is not one. I think the bigger question for the global supply is, is the U.S. making good on its promises for repurposing unused vaccines, getting those to global partners, and also pushing other developed countries to do the same? And I think that's the global pressure, along with some of the uh, patent disputes and some of the things going on with Moderna, adding, I think, a little bit of pressure to that global push for vaccines as well. If you get a third booster shot, how, how long does the effectiveness last? How, 95%, I would assume that drops off over time too. Yeah, that's a great question. So that's exactly where I think Pfizer, the manufacturer, as well as the real world evidence we're seeing from Israel, it, it, we're not quite where Israelis have all had that six month time period. But I think, as you mentioned, Israel has moved along with fourth boosters because they do have data that shows, again, that it's decreasing, especially in older and high-risk populations. I think it's been controversial, however, Becky, because just measuring those efficacy titers does not take into consideration the very important memory cell function, which we do know is incredibly active. Moderna and Johnson & Johnson echoed that they also think memory functions play a role in this. So I do not think all Americans should be kind of signing up on their calendars for fourth boosters just yet. I think we do need to see more data for that. But third shots, 
seemed like a, a, just a no-brainer to me at this point. Dr. Patel, thank you. Thank you. Next, on Squawk Pod, restaurants are serving up a comeback, but it hasn't been easy. CEO of the Toast app, Chris Camperato, on helping them get through it. We're talking about razor-thin profit margins, high employee turnover, manual workflows within the restaurant. So having a restaurant-specific platform is really necessary for these restaurants to thrive and be successful. Plus, it's a tech giant, it's a stock, it's the eye of Sauron. Nerds, 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 nerds. 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 Nerd out with us after this break. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx. Sometimes it takes a different approach to help you unlock your true potential. With Capella University's game-changing FlexPath learning format, you gain relevant skills you can apply to your career right away. Earn your degree from an accredited university and be confident in the quality of your education. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. Capella University is accredited by the Higher Learning Commission. Learn more at capella.edu slash accreditation. Up track, stand by Joe. You're listening to Squawk Pod from CNBC. Today with Joe Kernan and Becky Quick. Here's Joe. Restaurant software company Toast posting numbers overnight. Revenue growth uh, more than doubled. Uh, Join us now, uh, Toast CEO Chris Camperato. And Chris, I can't believe how quick you're growing. 2012, you've got 6% of of all restaurants in the entire country. And that equates to, what, 100 thousand restaurants in in like nine years? Well, I'm not going to comment on the hundred thousand. I'm not sure that number is correct. But when you think about the restaurant industry, it's a massive industry. 860,000 restaurants across the U.S. of different sizes, types, and formats. So we're excited because Q3 validates that we're on the right path and we're empowering this awesome community. And, And we all love restaurants. We're empowering this community to thrive and restaurants are turning a corner. And while the last 20 months have been difficult, we're super excited that this validates we're on the right path, but very much in the early days of our growth. How can you view it? It's, it, it's kind of like a point of sale for restaurant that uh, operates in the cloud, kind of like a square for, for, for restaurants. And that obviously was a pandemic play when it all uh, was set when it's all said and done. Right, Chris? Well, no, we've actually been at this for nine years. And if you think about our platform, our platform is a restaurant-specific, all-in-one platform that helps restaurants from point of sale to team management to digital ordering to back-of-house automation to empower all of these stakeholders to have an easier life. You know, we make the life of these restaurant stakeholders much easier by helping them drive revenue, help, helping them streamline operations, but then also helping them create delightful experiences for consumers like you and I. You know, 50% of our dollars on food are spent outside of our house, and it's being spent in restaurants. 
So we're empowering this community to be successful. And if you think about the restaurant industry, it's a really complex industry behind the scenes. We're talking about razor thin profit margins, high employee turnover, manual workflows within the restaurant. So having a restaurant specific platform is really necessary for these restaurants to thrive and be successful. I guess I'm, uh, and it's 48,000 restaurants. I, I see that, that number was 48,000 uh, as of the end of Q2. Right. I'm discounting, like over, I guess over the next year, just, uh, you'd probably be at a, at a hundred thousand. Chris, what I meant by a pandemic play was you, you and some analysts have pointed out that, that some of your margins, some of the way that, that, that you make money, could slow a little bit as people return. You don't make as much money if people are, are using the system that are actually dining in. It, 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 debit cards, you make a little bit more money. It, it, but, but when it's actually either ordered uh, away from the restaurant or, or you work with a lot of delivery companies as well. That's, and, and that was obviously, uh, for the last two years, it was a great time to be in that business. Yeah, we look at what we call the annual recurring run rate, the ARR. And the ARR of our business combines both the money that we make off of a software subscription. So restaurants subscribe to our platform and pay for software that we continuously innovate. In fact, next week, we have an event called the Spark event where we're announcing some new product releases into our software. So the first lever is the software subscription. The second lever is the money that we make off of payments volume. And payments volume is volatile, right? It's seasonal. You have high summer months. You have low winter months. And we make money off of the take rate for that payments volume. But those two pieces come into play when we talk about our ARR. And our ARR growth has been fantastic. And again, it validates that we're on the right path, but very much early in our life cycle as a business. Very good. Uh, it's very it's quite a success story and, and, and founded up in up in Cambridge, which is uh, kind of interesting. Founded up in Boston and Cambridge and, uh, you know, 2012. But we've been at this for nine years and we continue to innovate with great products that we think will help restaurants. And service revenue and- is, is key, right? That recurring revenue that you mentioned. Yeah, correct. As you expand and do pretty soon, you'll be cooking for some of these restaurants. Uh, I think hey, you never know. Be- I mean, I'm not a great cook, but we're <laughs> trying to help the chefs and help the chefs uh, pump out more orders. Uh, Chris, stock, I, I, I saw a quote. I don't know. It's probably thin trading this morning. I'm not sure what's going to happen to the stock today, but uh, uh, we'll, we'll have you back. Excellent. Great to see you. Thank you. Uh, thank you. Let's get right over to Dom Chu. He's got some of this morning's uh, morning movers and, uh, Dom, it has been interesting watching this like straight march up for eight days now for the for the S&P, 11 days for the Nasdaq this morning, seeing a few red arrows. So, so Becky, Joe, to to that point, because so many companies have participated perhaps in those rallies and in some ways to a dramatic degree to the upside, we have seen some of those pullbacks become a little bit more steep. We will start, though, with a newly issued, newly public company. I should say a republic company, if you will, at this point. This is Hertz Global, the rental car giant. Came back to market yesterday in a highly highly publicized, high-profile IPO. Hertz Global did price its IPO at $29 per share, all right? It came out to market $26.25. That was the opening trade. It got as high as $28, but never got back to its $29 offering price. So, again, those shares... Newly public again after being reissued. 29 is the mark we want to set there because that was where the shares were sold to the public in that particular reissue. So Hertz Global 
certainly a focus there. And then one other place to watch has been the massive run-up that we've seen in Tesla shares, surpassing that $1 trillion mark. Well, now it's actually down again in the extended trade. The interesting part is it is now from its highs down roughly 17 to 18 percent from the intraday highs that we saw just over the last couple of weeks here. That means, by the way, that just about 200 and maybe 205, 210 billion dollars has been shaved off the market value of Tesla shares, all on the heels of perhaps the catalyst of Tesla CEO and founder Elon Musk asking the Twitterverse whether or not they were going to show some kind of an issue there. And by the way, Palantir shares also lower on a downgrade over at RBC Capital Markets. They think some of the decelerating trends in government spending could hit it there. So Palantir shares, Joe, wants to watch as well. I'll send things back over to you. Palantir. You know what that's from, right, Dom? Palantir? No, yeah. no. Please tell me. Well, Becky knows. Uh, Lord it, of the it, Rings. It's the... It, it oh. was in, in Lord of the Rings. It was that globe where you could see Sauron if you looked into it. Remember Mary? And Sauron it was either Mary or Pippin uh, like stole it when Gandalf, I think, was sleeping and looked into it and it almost didn't recover from doing that. But it, it, I, I guess Peter Thiel and some of those guys are big um, Lord of the Rings fans. So that's what a Palantir is. Well, and, and we got those name. headlines about Peter Jackson, who was the director of those movies, selling yeah. off a pretty decent chunk of uh, some of his particular associated assets. Don't look directly into it or you will see the Dark Lord. The bigger nobody... deal is the Dark Lord could see you, too. Yeah, if you yeah, take yeah, it, yeah. If you yeah. unearth it, they know where you are and what you're up right. to. You have to be very a lot of times they'll it. send like a flock of crows like looking for you and stuff. He's got, you know, and then he's got that tentacle, everywhere. tentacles everywhere. It's I've also learned so much more about how just just into the Lord of the Rings trilogy that you guys are. Too. I, I, I didn't really have any idea nerds, that you guys were nerds, so deep nerds, into it. Nerds, nerds, nerds. Nerds, nerds. Yes. Yes. Was there anyone cooler than Orlando Bloom running around on those elephants and stuff? With the ears and everything. Yeah, he he was cool. I loved him. X-Striker. Be still my beating heart. Yeah, Aragorn. Be still my beating heart. Whoa, man. And that is Squawk Pod for today. Wednesday, we're halfway to the weekend. Squawk Box is hosted by Joe Kernan, Becky Quick, and Andrew Ross Sorkin. Tune in weekday mornings on CNBC at 6 Eastern. Listen to Squawk Pod wherever you download podcasts. And feel free to share us among your friends, colleagues, fellow Lord of the Rings fans. Thanks for listening. We'll meet you back here tomorrow. We are clear. Thanks, guys. This podcast is supported by FedEx. Dear small and medium businesses, no one wants happy customers more than you do. So you need a business partner just like you. Like FedEx, who understands your passion for serving your customers because they have the same commitment towards you. That's why FedEx offers you picture proof of delivery, packageless and paperless returns, as well as weekend home delivery to 98% of the U.S. on Saturday and 50% on Sunday. See the FedEx service guide for delivery information. What's more, FedEx Ground is faster to more locations than UPS Ground. Trust FedEx for timely deliveries. See what FedEx can do for your business. Absolutely, positively FedEx.